Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 18th, 2016. When you think about all the chat across airwaves by various means and the back and forth data exchanges and so on, and all the relevancies on a daily basis too of just idle chat. Now there's idle chat and there's important chat. And important chat also sometimes seems idle because you're communicating one-on-one with someone, directly, hopefully, uh, where you exchange ideas and you, you exchange your, your opinions on the world and yourself and everything else. And that's, that's really being very, very human. That's how we're supposed to operate. We're not supposed to operate by listening to experts prattling off to us all the time or bureaucrats just uh, churning out endless streams through their marketing companies of, of propaganda on how you should live and how you're going to live, whether you like it or not. And that's happening all the time because for those who don't know, you've all been conquered, you see. And all the chat you've got right now is about elections and this and that and the other, and it really doesn't mean much at all. Because all the NGOs, which are the new world Soviet, by the way, for those who don't know it, Soviets, a Soviet system, meant ruled by councils, you see? Councils for everything, every aspect and facet of life. Uh, That's what the United Nations was set up to be a long time ago by the same organizations I've prattled on about for years and years and years, and it took years for other folk to start grabbing this stuff and run with it too, which is great. But you've got to keep your eyes on the organizations. Who founded them, the big uh, organizations? And then all the foundations that are part of their money-funneling programs and organizational programs. Because you've been living, as I say, through a war your entire life and you don't even know it. And you're not the first generation to, to go through the same war. It's been an awful, awful long war. And those in charge of it have run different systems, including communism. Now they soften it to socialism. It's the same, it's the same communism behind the softer face. But when it's totally in, in charge, believe you me, you'll see the velvet glove come off. Because it's the same hatred behind it all. Massive hatred of humanity. Most of humanity, you see. And they're rather vocal now because they really think they're pretty well won across the planet. Globalism, globalism, globalism. Ruled by councils, it's all done. Uh, Your governments are complete prostitutes, the whole lot of them. Uh, Since they blithely sign on to every... Uh, NGO, not an elected organization that drafts this stuff up for the United Nations on how you're going to live in a whole bunch of areas. Which really makes the whole idea of governments, government or governance, as you like to call it, completely obsolete. And they have books out on that now from, from the same people at the top, by the way, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know it. Those who conquered you have already written books on it. But I'll touch on some of these things tonight. And it's been a long war. I know that's a long war. But unfortunately, the whole patriot system has turned into entertainment, as I knew it, always, it was before I really came along a long time ago, except for a couple of people who now are dead, you know. And that's the sad truth of it, too. I said at the very beginning, an all-seeing eye didn't miss anything. Like, oh, here's shortwave radio. I've gone through the history of it, too. And who set it up? And the big agency called the CIA uh, set it up during uh, the the turn of the Cold War. But why would they let it go? If if anything that controls the minds of people or even leads leads or misleads people into ways of thinking, think about it. Why would anybody give it up? Well, they didn't give it up, you see. And it's been more important now than ever as a counter too many truths put out there. By misleading you, grabbing those truths that you're putting out with all the facts, but then spinning it off in a different direction or being made irrelevant, you see. It negates them. You're in a war. I keep telling people this. This is a war that's going on. You've got to understand this. It's very old. 
but now it's in your face. If you really care, look, it's in your face. Uh, and they won't, they won't tell you that in the media, no. They'll tell you in the media that's totally controlled, that everything's on board with the right agenda for the right time, and, are, and you're becoming more liberal as you can change identities of all kinds. Uh, you've got dirt poor, mind you, but, you, but that's the new meaning of freedom is... is being able to choose your bathrooms maybe four times a day as you go back and forth, you know, it's up to you. You can do anything you want. As O'Brien said to Winston, if I say, Winston, that I can fly, then you'll believe that I can fly. George Orwell knew this whole agenda. Here you are. Now, talking about the non-governmental unelected organizations, you see, they go on regardless of who you think you've elected <laughs> and seem to, and they don't think they just scribble up some ideas on a piece of paper and present it to your government. No, no, no. This is done at the massive, massive UN level with big, big think tanks paid for by the big private foundations owned by the big multinational boys. They've got it all planned out. The whole future's planned out. You're, you're in it, actually. And now that they're on a roll globally, globally, uh, then they're rushing ahead with it all. Why not? I mean, there's nothing to stop them now. The people don't even know. The, the, the younger children, even the ones from 30 and under, they have their, all their brainwashing in school perfected. And they're all for it. They think it's natural. They believe everything they're told about the greening thing. They need to green, go green, 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 you see. And, uh, and austerity. As long as someone else being austere, they don't mind and that kind of thing. Save all the little furry animals out there, all the tiny wee ones, and 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 you just mustn't mustn't live amongst them. And give the land all back to them. And humans must start dying off. Well, all of you, that is, you know, because you are the enemy. You see, very old. This is this is a spiritual thing too. I keep, you know, I've always known this. I always knew too. If you came into this battle, you have all kinds of things coming against you. And believe you me. Uh, physical and otherwise, you certainly do. You certainly do. So I'm going to touch on some of these things tonight to show you, again, that, that, that you're pretty well conquered. I used to say at one time, it's not over till the fat lady sings. But uh, really it is pretty well. You know, you, you don't need her to sing anymore. It's, they're telling you. They're, they're telling you they've conquered you. And they're getting tough about it too. They're talking to you like a, like an old teacher would do at school, a real in the old days, the kind that never got married, and she'd wag her finger at you, and you're bad, 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 and that kind of thing. You see, and that's where that's what you're seeing starting to emerge now. Same stuff you saw before the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. Anyway. You said, understand, this is, this is you are, you're, as far as you're concerned, you're not just an idiot and a fool. You're, you're like a child. And all children must be dealt with, you see, just trained, trained, trained. And by goodness, are they training all your children all right? But you too, adult, adult training. All through your whole life, they be trained and upgraded. They wrote about this in the 40s. I've given talks on it. From the, from the books put out by the folk who were involved in all of this back then. Eternal lifetime training. Upgrade, 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 you see. Anyway, here's the mayor's parliament. Here's the mayor's parliament convenes in The Hague, 12th of September. And they belong to the global parliament of mayors. Most folk don't even know they have that, you see. So these prostitutes, again, and they are, I don't care, you know, that's what they are, these people, who get on board for self-aggrandizement and a bigger paycheck and take all the bribes that come their way and they'll say all the right things, you see, all the PC terms that they'll have to parrot off and, and they'll get up the ladder. And that's what they do. That's un- You're sold out by people all around you all the time. And again, too, it's because they keep it pretty secretive from the people in their towns and cities and yeah, the mayors are all, they've always been on board with this kind of stuff, and it's been going on for years. It's not new. I've given talks before about it. Over 60 mayors from the cities across the world, right? Remember the talks they gave on the super cities from the United Nations and how the world would be 
comprised from the military think tanks, and I've got their articles up on my website too, both in Britain and in the US ones, both saying the same things. Eventually there'll be no borders, well, we're pretty well here, and uh, there'll be super cities. The rest of you in the rural areas will be, by one way or another, pushed off the, the land, or you'll leave voluntarily when it be unbearable to be there. Right? There's a thousand ways to do it. And uh, and then in the super cities, there'll be the high-tech, um, more advanced ones, whereas the most folk will be in the, the overcrowded slum cities, you see. And that's how it's all planned, folks. Anyway, over 60 of these awful mayors uh, from cities across the world met in The Hague over the weekend, 10th, 11th September, to convene the Global Parliament of Mayors. It's wonderful, like Global Parliament of Mayors. Did you vote for any of this stuff? Eh? The brainchild of Dr. Benny Barber. Now, Benny, or Benjamin Barber, has been on the go for years, throwing out the books about the need for all this stuff, globalism and abolition of nations and blah, blah, blah. You know, nothing new about it. The new parliament derives from the idea Barber introduced in his book. No, he didn't. He was just a front man put forward. And that's how the world was run, too, by front men. If mayors ruled the world, that was his book. Barber asserts that cities and the mayors that run them offer the best new forces of good governance. Well, since you don't know anything about it, they'll run it in secrecy. Is that good governance? The UN tried to cure nationalism, you see, the United Nations. Remember, the United Nations was set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs-CFR, which also has the Trilateral Commission, all these private organizations that run the world. They set up the United Nations. They set up the, the Bank for International Settlements. I've gone through the whole history. And I'm sick of repeating it all. And uh, the IMF and all the rest of it. Run, the, the money system is awfully important to run the world. You've got to take over that from the beginning or even set it up from the beginning. So the UN tried to cure nationalism through cooperation of nation states, he said at the opening. The EU tried to cure nationalism by erasing uh, nation states. And 60 years later, both of these are in trouble. It says, is this the parliament one more limp banner of aspirational futility? He asked. There's a key difference in this new governance experiment. Did you vote for it? Did you even hear about this new governance experiment? As you're watching your entertainment, your sports. So governance experiment, then those gone before we speak here as mayors and as citizens, we represent not anonymous voters, but engaged residents of local communities. Are we engaged in it? Do you know about this? Mayors from Cape Town, Oklahoma City, Amman, Athens, Rotterdam, and others agreed on the Hague Global Mayor's Call to Action. Call to Action. Stating that the Parliament will allow cities and their mayors to cooperate in critical issues such as climate change. There you go again, the big stick, you see, the big nonsensical stick. Refugees that are not really refugees at all, you see. Uh, they've got a purpose for getting flooded and flooding out, and they've been very vocal in Germany, <laughs> in the German Parliament, as to what this purpose is, you know. Pandemic disease inequality and urban security. So these are the nonsensical things that always give to you these left, far left, uh, what can I say, um, communistic slogans, you see, because remember what uh, um, the top communists, including Lenin, said, we shall win by slogans, and they do have them. Climate change, refugees, pandemic disease, inequality, urban security, problems that other institutions have not always been able to address. And um, it says, other city networks. And here's other things. This isn't the only one, folks, you know. Where's all this funding come from? Well, you're paying for most of it. And the, the foundations funnel the rest of it to them. Anyway, it says, uh, other city networks, including the C40 and Eurocities, were represented, keen to show their support to a new forum not seen as a threat. There you go. Tom Cochran, CEO and Executive Director of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, another one, you see, enthused, awfully enthusiastic, the Global Parliament of Mayors will finally create the needed place for mayors of the world to learn, share, and make significant progress on the global metro-urban challenges we are facing. 
the formation of this new organisation marks a historic moment as no other international coalition for mayors and run by mayors exists. Now think about something else. I've mentioned it before. Not a folk know this too. The bigger a nation is, in fact, the harder it is to, to get anything done in the local level that you need done just to survive in that local area. Uh, when you move into, into a massive federation, you've now got almost a foreign nation somewhere sitting far, far away uh, that really doesn't have much time to even listen to your problems, never mind deal with them. And that's what the UN is, is too. And the whole idea of global governance, remember, is faceless bureaucrats, unelected, far away from most countries, uh, deciding on what you really need in your area. Hell is coming down big time. And you can't see it because, it's, because hell is described as it's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. And they're all enthusiastic here, you see, to tell you how wonderful it is. That's what it says. The U.S. Conference of Mayors enthused. Oh. It will finally create the needed place for mayors of the world to learn, share, and make significant progress on the global metro urban challenges. <gasps> Who paid for them to even go and all that stuff, eh? These things, eh? On climate change, mayors stressed the importance of the upcoming Habitat 3. See, this is big. It all ties together at the same time again. Habitat 3 in Quito, and that the new parliament can and should be represented there. The new parliament, you see, whoa. A new parliament should be represented in Quito in order to put forward practical and effective policies. On migration and refugees, mayors exchanged best practices and underlined the importance of close cooperation between cities of departure and cities of arrival. Now, you know yourselves, folks, that this whole con with refugees, and it's been rather vocal, vocally put out there by the folk behind it in Germany and places, is to eradicate um, the German people, basically. And they're not really refugees, as I say, you see. Uh, regardless, there's a whole massive story behind that. And you can, if you don't know it by now, you'll never know it. You know, and if you watch television, I guess you'll never know it. I'm sorry to say so. I've never watched television for years and years. And what do your mayors know about refugees? What, what have they got to do with it in the first place? Uh, who votes in the mayor as the refugees? Or you? Do, or do you even bother? To help mayors connect a new virtual parliament, uh, and I'll give you the, the site for it, this new site was announced to allow each member of city to survey, could discuss, and ultimately vote on action points. Seven cities, very telling too, naturally, will now form a committee to prepare the next steps and the draft principles and actions that were discussed during the two-day convening, including migration, climate change, and governance. There you go. See, there you go. That's only one. It's all wonderful, wonderful. And the global parliament of mayors can lead to the devolution revolution. They love these little slogans, don't they? Mm. It's from another newspaper. And it says, this week sees the inaugural sessions of a new global governance body. A new one. It means to create a platform for common action on crucial global challenges that manifest themselves as urban crises. To start with climate change and migration. These big, big, these are the big fists that we're going to use. All these big nonsensical fists, you see. As the European Union unravels around the recent Brexit vote and right-wing populist nationalism, oh, that terrible thing about liking to have a little country that you and your ancestors for, you know, thousands of, of, of years have lived in and struggled to survive and, and hold on to, you're awful right-wing and you're nationalist and you're populist, you see. And the United States engaged in a presidential primary that seems as much about whether the public republic will have a future as about who will occupy the White House. The challenge to citizens is whether they can survive this daunting new interdependent world. It's a world of terrorism without borders. Well, who creates it all? Who funds it all? Hmm? Yeah. Climate change without frontiers. Ooh, who's spraying above me? Immigration without documentation and inequality without precedent. And given that the 400-year-old ideas of the nation-state is in trouble, the challenge is daunting indeed, for with its stubborn commitment to an archaic idea of sovereign inter- independence, rooted in zero-sum international relations, the nation-state has become increasingly dysfunctional. And this is from, again, Benjamin Barber again, you see. 
who was really an operative agent. It says, in his book, 2014, if mayors ruled the world, dysfunctional nations, rising cities, he proposed that cities may be to the future what nations were to the past. Efficient and pragmatic problem-solving governance bodies that can address sustainability and security without surrendering liberty or equality. Now, I'll tell you what the cities and all the whole, and this, this particular movement is all about, folks, is, is they call them pathways. You will be born in a pathway. Your pathway will be set out for you in these cities, you see. All the decisions will be made up before you, you can even think as to what you would do with your life. And you'll go along through that, that pathway, and you went to different pathways as you work. The work pathway, this pathway, that pathway. And then if you get sick, you went to the pathway for this particular sickness, put into blah, blah, blah treatment, a cost, uh, it depends on your, on your importance to that society, that community. You'll be put on a particular or you won't be one or the other medication, depending if, if you're crucial for, the, for them surviving there. Like, you have good standing in the community. And that will all depend on what, what you, um, how, just really how important you are. And then you get put on the pathway. If, you, if you're not that important, you'll be put on the death pathways very quickly. Very efficient, mind you. And you'll, be, you'll go into the, the solid green mix in no time at all. Uh, so I'll put this link up again on this one as well. And then a link up on Benjamin Barber to tell you about, you can see about his history here. But remember, he's a front man. They're, they're all front people who are put forward, you see, put forward to push stuff uh, that's to change all of you to, according to a predetermined plan. And um, yes, he also is a senior research scholar at the Center on Philanthropy <laughs> and Civil Society of the Graduate Center. New York is the city university of New York. And he's the founder of the interdependence movement and Walt Whitman's professor at the political science emeritus Rutgers University. And he was a distinguished fellow at uh, Demos, naturally. Anyway, uh, this is as far left as you can go. You can see all the stuff. Uh, he lists his important thinkers down through the ages. That's all on board with the same far, far left, etc., etc. Remember what Charles Galton Darwin talked about in his book, The Next Million Years. He says, he says eventually, he says, uh, the people won't have to make any decisions. He says, we, the, the, the real, the wild men, the ones who keep their, their mentality, they don't, they don't damage the brain, which they're not going to do for everybody else or drug them or whatever, but he says, but we must retain our capacities, the wild men, because we'll be ruling the world, basically, running the world, making all the decisions. The ordinary folk won't need that because he says, he said that uh, the, the state and all the agencies of the state will be making their decisions for them. It all ties in with this stuff. I'll put this one up too. It says, we've been mayors of New York, Paris, and Rio. These are all the different previous meetings, you see. We know climate action starts with cities. Oh, oh, there you go. And uh, that's from Bloomberg. I'll put that one up as well. This is already signed, the Paris Agreement, to more, with more than 175 countries. Did you get to vote on it? No. Was successful in large part because national governments recognize cities' progress in reducing their carbon emissions. What a joke that is. On Thursday, as world leaders gather in Washington, D.C. to discuss how to reach the goals set in the Paris, they should focus on helping cities do even more and act faster to reduce those emissions. You see? And this one goes on and on and on. And, uh, and you only see this big stick coming out more and more and more and more as they wave it in front of your face and tell you you're bad. You start with you're naughty, but now they're, going to, they're not going to tolerate it anymore with you living and doing how you want to live and so on. As I say, don't forget, this is simply the Soviet system with a softer face, temporary softer face. And it's better psychology anyway to, <laughs> than just uh, brute force, isn't it, to take over something. And uh, also put up an interview with Dr. Benjamin Barber and of the Global Parliament of Mayors. Another article two is called the U.S. Conference of Mayors to participate in their first ever meeting of the Global Parliament of Mayors. And uh, this is from the Hague, Netherlands, this one here. 
I guess that's where they're, they're going to meet. And it says here, um, on September the 9th, 2016, the United States Conference of Mayors will participate in the inaugural meeting of the Global Parliament of Mayors. And it's more of the same kind of stuff and so on. And they give you different uh, people who are involved in it uh, and different mayors from across the, the, the planet and all that. And um, more than 75 cities, both large and small, and from developed and emerging countries. Well, they've always got the handout, too. That's why a lot of the mayors are theirs, is to get lots of grants and payoffs, etc. As it will be represented at the meeting, including uh, Amman, Bangkok, Cape Town, Paris, uh, Dakar, Rio de Janeiro, Quito, and Warsaw. And uh, again, it's about migration and security, the environment and climate change, and the governance of the GPM. The concepts of the GPM grit of Dr. Benjamin Barber's 2003 book, If Mayors Ruled the World. So it's just the same stuff repeated and repeated. Just to show you this mantra, it's all through the schools too, by the way, you know, and stuff like that. Your, your children probably have been totally brainwashed already. And they must always get the children. So they'll grow up thinking everything that happens then is normal. As any idea of freedom is taken away from them. Or decision making for that matter. You can decide other things. You can decide what bathroom you want to use. That's freedom these days, you see. I'm not kidding you. I mean, think about it. But really all real decision making is taken away out of your hands. And right down to eventually, eventually what you can heat yourself with. Or if you can even heat yourself at all. If your little area has gone over its quota. Of, of uh, energy quota, you see. Also, this talks about common purpose and things like that. Now, I'm going to go into this one, and it's called um, Habitat Three, the biggest conference you've probably never heard of. And a distinctive feature of the new urban agenda is that it redefines informal settlements such as Dharavi in Mumbai, India, as an asset based on their potential to promote economic growth. Uh, and then it goes on to different people who are there involved in it, the different authors who churn out the stuff and all the rest of it, who are, who are involved in this particular thing. And it says... Um, different partners, again, the University of Melbourne, uh, Victoria State Government, Australia, uh, things like that. Um, and it gives you other lists of partners as well. Then it tells you more than 25,000 delegates will meet in Quito, Ecuador. Ecuador, by the way, has been blessed by the UN, you know, official uh, blessing, you see, uh, for the new urban agenda. It's awfully goody-goody, and it takes all the grants and stuff, and it's been set up... Um, uh, through tourism and all that, the green green tourism and bio tourism, and they've already uh, been the first made the first uh, place in Ecuador uh, to to write into their charter, into their political charter, um, uh, the rights of the of nature and biodiversity. So more than twenty five thousand delegates will meet in Quito, Ecuador, to, to set out the United Nations new urban agenda for member states. So here you are; they're setting out the agenda from the member states. The Habitat 3 conference will mandate the United Nations work in cities and settlements for the next 20 years across the world. But Australia, one of the world's most urbanized nations, is yet to play a major role in negotiations. If you haven't heard of the Habitat conference series, you're not alone steered by one of the United Nations' smaller organizations, smaller, what a size it is, UN Habitat. It's the key negotiation process within the UN for planning the development of cities and human settlements. Awfully, awfully important, folks. Unlike the annual conference of the parties, which they held there, held by the United Nations Framework on Conventions on Climate Change, these events take place only once every 20 years. Very important, this one. The Habitat Conference has been held twice previously in Istanbul, 1996, and Vancouver, Canada, 1976. Since then, humanity has crossed an urbanization milestone. Half the world's population now lives in cities. Interesting, eh? So, when they started in 1996, since then, to the present, half the world's population now lives in cities. You think you're making your own decisions? You don't know. What you, you have no idea why you're moving here and moving there. It may be because the bugs are getting worse and biting you. 
and I'm not kidding about that either. <laughs> not because it's getting warmer, it's because they're releasing a lot of them. At the time of Habitat, just over one-third were urban dwellers. Habitat 3 and the, and the new urban agenda therefore represents a watershed moment. I love these watersheds, eh? they're, they're obsessed with water, I think, for urban development globally. And uh, the 90, 1996 Habitat agenda called for sustainable developments, there you go, and access to adequate shelter. These goals have driven progress in many places. For instance, provision of adequate housing is now including, including many national constitutions. The Habitat Agenda also formed a platform for the Millennium Development Goals, remember them, for those who follow all, agreed in 2000. That's the MDGs, Millennium Development Goals. And that expired in 2015 and were superseded by Sustainable Development Goals. That got up to about 2030. These goals are yeah, like the centre of the UN's 230 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Habitat 3, unlike Habitat 2, builds out of these targets, not the other way around. The new urban agenda is therefore aiming to implement these goals in the cities, particularly the SDGs 11, SDG 11, to make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient and sustainable. They don't want you on the land anymore, folks, for those who are still on the land. The new urban agenda will be finalised in Quito, Ecuador, the third city in 40 years to host the Habitat Conference. The current version of the agenda, the Zero Draft, was released at the end of 2016 and July, having undergone a series of revisions at preparatory negotiations. Were you, did you hear anything about that? Were any of your politicians? You have no idea what's been going on. Unusually for the UN, this included direct feedback from civil society. No, it's not. They only advertise it to the existing non-governmental organizations that are already on the take, you see, from the big foundations. In other words, their big army. Very clever how they can say, oh, the public's involved. No, they're not. No. They're all radical far lefties. Their hands are always out, mind you, for big bucks from their masters or, or the folk who get involved on behalf. <laughs> well, since the general public are not turning up and don't know anything about it, uh, we'll just have to speak up for them, eh? <laughs> uh, legalisms are awfully good. The draft new urban agenda recognizes that decisions about how we house, feed, and mobilize urban populations. Yeah, interesting, eh? Everything, really. You understand? This is about everything to do with you. Everything. House, feed, mobilize urban population will have a critical impact on human well-being. Remember that term, well-being? And sustainability. It's not, see, it's not a matter of how, 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 how secure you feel by your own hands or work or anything else. Nothing to do with that. Nope. You could be living in, in, in a pigsty, in, in a swamp, kind of like almost where I am. And, uh, and, but you'll feel awfully, awfully happy Awfully happy, uh, and, and so that's that's going to judge your well-being, your gross well-being. Remember, we went through all those articles from the UN a while back, you know. And and as long as that happens, and they're already taking surveys, that's more important about what the future's got to hold for you, if anything at all. Just don't think about it. They give you a pill not to think about it, you know. It says what sets the agenda apart from its predecessors is the elevation of pressing global issues such as urban informality, urban informality, eh? Gender equity, oh, that's awfully important, that too, you know, equity, it just doesn't exist, is it? And disaster and climate resilience. Hmm? Yep. I don't know, you can't get resilient from climate. I got one of these awful umbrellas, it's the only ones you can get anymore, these ones that fold up. Evans made, as you all know, in China, and the darn thing bust at the, at the edges uh, the first time I had it out, you know. So you can, it's true, you, can't, you just can't get ready for disasters and climate resilience. It also recognizes cities as uh, drivers of economic and social development. See, you outside the cities, I've got nothing to do with it. Remember years ago they said they'd get you all into the cities. It's estimated that 70% of global economic activity is in the cities. It's because in cities you're under the thumb of those who own the cities, folks, for everything you need to exist. Cities also account for more than 70% of greenhouse gas emissions. Also, you're going to get punished as well being in the cities. But you've got no, no, no other choice. You're going to live in the cities whether you like it or not. The agenda will therefore be critical of achieving the COP21 targets agreed in 
Paris last year. That's a conference of parties. So your politicians signed you on to this thing, so you, you can't heat yourself. You should really cut down your breathing too, you know. Try to shorten your breaths. Don't take as many. Don't go jogging, whatever you do. When you start finding, you'll have to start finding you're breathing more than other folk and putting out more CO2. The current draft is not without controversy. Inclusion of the right to the city has already stalled talks. And what is inclusion to the rights of the city? And the future role of UN habitat is being hotly contested. By whom? In its current form, the agenda redefines informal settlements and sectors as assets. Informal settlements and sectors. With the capacity to promote economic growth. Hmm. It also recognizes the right to equal access to jobs, urban infrastructure, and affordable housing, emphasizing design, participation, and empowerment in meeting the challenges of informal settlements. Hmm. Love all these new terms. They love terms, they're legalistic. The key challenge in the new urban agenda will be distributing. Implementation to the thousands of cities that need development assistance across the world. You're going to pay for it all, you see, in the so-called first world countries. And the managers will be, you know, pocketing most of the money halfway through to the other, other places that want the money. Anyway, it's just, uh, crucially, it's unclear who will monitor and evaluate progress and how well. We know it will be the, the guys who run it all and who planned it all and came up with the idea of how we conquered the planet. Unlike the Paris Agreement, the new urban agenda is not intended to be a legally binding document. Instead, it aims to provide guidance to member states and UN agencies. Now, it goes on and on and on. And uh, this is happening, folks, and, and most people are totally out. They're all watching their sports. They're watching their soaps. They're watching their porn. All the other stuff is laid on for you to, to watch. And it's awfully successful. It's awfully successful. It's folk are just out of it altogether. Hmm. Out of it. Haven't a clue. And then New Urban Agenda clears last hurdle before Habitat 3. Awfully important, all this stuff. But again, I'll go down the memory hole very quickly as we'll get back to voting for the for the, <laughs> for the charade or pretending that you're, you're voting in someone that's uh, going to work for you and nations. It's sad, isn't it? Terribly sad, the way we're being conned all along, in secrecy most of, the, most of your life, actually. And, and even your minds are shaped all the time through your whole life without you knowing it your entertainment and all the little things you're supposed to think about that you see and how you feel when you watch dramas and things. Uh, you're, you're played like a violin and uh, very predictable too because that's what they want. It's, you see, you understand you can't feel safe at the top unless everyone is completely predictable. And that's why, that's the real reason why they're monitoring everybody's electronic information to make sure that you are kept up. They keep, they keep you up to date in your profile uh, so they can go to bed at night and feel secure that everybody's dumb, happy talking about trivialities and nonsense or sports or, or soaps or porn, you see, and, or arguing about the things that are put out for you to argue about that are meaningless, nonsensical. But if you change your routine, they want to know why. Why? Why? What's interfered with your routine? But as I say, this um, all the Sherpas go out, you see, to, to draft all this stuff up and get the agreements on. And uh, look, for years they do this before they, they, they have their main meetings and sign. All the big meetings are, are just big parties, folks. Big parties. Where they have their great meals. Not, stuff that's not good and taken from the... From food that isn't even rained on, with all the pollution that you get from the aircraft and so, and it's not GMO things like that. They have great, great food laid on, yeah. And uh, being very thrifty, they spend an awful lot of your cash, having a great time, lots of booze too. And they even hire, you know, for all these global things, they always hire lots of local prostitutes. They even bring ones in from different countries. 
And they do believe in gender equivalent. It doesn't matter what, you, what your preference is, they, they supply it. That was even in the paper in Canada a few years back when they had a big global conference in Vancouver. And these are the folk who are deciding that you could live in austerity, you see, and pay, pay, pay for the carbon dioxide and for the energy that you need just to live, you see, and get by with. And it says that having run the diplomatic equivalent of a cross-country marathon, there was concern that negotiations on the new urban agenda, that's the new urban agenda, so it's called, might trip at the final hurdle. Three days of talks were needed with negotiations continuing long into the night before agreement was reached on Saturday night in New York, naturally New York. That's what the UN is based on. The agenda is a non-binding international agreement. All this non-binding, don't you believe it, folks? Designed to shape urban development over the next two decades will be formally adopted at the UN Habitat 3 Summit in Quito, Ecuador, on October 17th to 20th. Negotiations began in New York at the first preparatory meeting in September 2014. It was envisaged then, if anything, everything went smoothly, that the final draft would be agreed at the third preparatory committee meeting in Surabaya, Indonesia, July 25th, 27th. Of 2016 And it says The road to Quito has at times been precarious And unclear how the agreement Will be taken forward thereafter It's a tremendous achievement though When uh, you consider the highly Contested terrain That the international community has been able To negotiate to reach an agreement Agreements generally mean lots of payoffs (laughs) You ever noticed that eh? Uh, Credit should go to the Dedicated team at the United Nations Habitat it's called the committed representatives from civil society under the banner of the World Urban Campaign. You've got to look into that, and I'll put links up tonight. Actually, it's on this article, too. And the member state negotiators, although not without his critics, the leadership from the UN Habitat exclusive director, Joan Kloss, has also been significant in moving the agreement forward, or at least not messing things up. And then go on to what was at stake, or is at stake. It says, first, it's recognized that no single United Nations agency can reasonably be given responsibility to, to implement such an all-encompassing agenda. You, I understand what I'm saying? All-encompassing agenda. That's for everything you need to live, even if you're going to live. For the future of our cities. The UN Habitat uh, hoped to have this role, but its motivation was to gain both influence and financial resources. Well, they always like financial resources. And second, cooperation from sub-national city and local governments is a prerequisite for successful implementation. Right? Cooperation from sub-national city and local governments. That's why they created the, all these mayor leagues and different ones. There's even ones for the police chiefs associations. All these things on board with this global agenda. For, and I've mentioned them years and years ago. There's all kinds of... Everything that runs your system is on board with this. And you haven't a clue. Since third, civil society has fully engaged with the formulation of the agenda and successfully pushed for the principle of the rights to the city to be included. And um, it was a huge and historic victory for civil society from a social justice perspective. So what's they mean by rights? It's everything that you see, you just think are bizarre, all the changes that are getting rammed at the top for the new freedoms and things, you see. And... Uh, all of above will be a subject of intense analysis and discussion once the new urban agenda is adopted. If taken seriously, each has the potential to be transformative. This is the sense of change, transformation, you see, transformative. So anyway, this goes on and on and on, and a bumpy road ahead, and how they've got all these other things planned to make it all happen and work, and yada, yada, yada. All the sustainable development goals have to be implemented, and uh, so that's cutbacks and austerity, uh, and, the, and the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, you see. But it's going, to, it's going to have to be pushed off the land too, obviously, since see, that's unsustainable. I mean, and you're 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 hitting yourself for that little house in the country somewhere, and that's just not acceptable. Not acceptable. It's far cheaper if we put into this crowded city, the slum city, and uh, and um, put into this little tiny little box room somewhere, inside a big high rise, and, uh, and and you can share the heating as it passes from the bottom and goes up to the top. Yes, sir.
I'm not kidding you. This is all you've conquered for. This is all to conquer you. This is all this is about is domination and uh, it's a war strategy for you. If you don't know, this is a real war. A war that generally doesn't use all the usual weapons. You see, they only, uh, they only use that uh, by using your national arms across the, the, uh, the world to take out other nations and get them on board with the same uh, system, basically. It's a war. And it's his Habitat 3 years United Nations Conference on Housing and Sustainable Urban Development. And uh, it goes on and on, on, all these different articles. I'll put them all up tonight for those who have the ability to not crash when they read something new, you know, uh, that's rather scary maybe, and who are generally interested. Don't, don't read anything if you're not interested in it. Most folk don't anyway. I mean, if they're not interested, just don't bother looking at anything. It's, it's not fun. And you've all been trained, you see, for to be egocentric and egocentric, you know, and only seek that which is pleasurable and turn your, oh, turn your back on the negative. And as long as you turn your back on the negative, you will be wafted in gradually, little by little, into their big system without even knowing how you end up you ended up there. That's what happens to folk who won't look at the oncoming train behind them. Because it's not nice, you see. That's a downer, man. But that's what life's about, you see. You're in a very long war <laughs> uh, with all the techniques of war being used. Um, the greatest psychological warfare ever devised has been on the go my whole life, on the general public. All to be dominated by a group who planned a long, long, long time ago. Who know how you should live, or if you should live at all. <laughs> and who wrote lots of books about it long ago, are blatant about it. They've, they've, they've managed to you know, hide some of it, but now they're getting antsy again. You can even smell it, you can, you, you can see it in their writings. They're getting antsy for total victory now. Hell hath come down, eh? And it's coming down at an awful speed. And the folk are... Uh, disabled, you know, just psychological warfare is meant to disable um, a people, an adversary. And it works awfully well when it's across the board with all the incredible media they have today. They can get their messages out across the whole board and their mainstream news and so on. Television, yada, 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 and even radio, yada. It's everywhere at the same time, everywhere at the same time. They even alter it slightly sometimes. Sometimes you all get the same propaganda, verbatim, just put it in different languages. And other times they alter it slightly for the culture that they're, they're targeting, but it's just a little bit here and there, a little bit of variation here and there. You have no idea of the mass organization that rules over you, that you haven't a clue about even exists, and that you pay for in many ways. And you might pay the ultimate price eventually. Because as far as you're concerned, they own you. And they've decided where you should, you should live or die, or exist at all, you see. And you don't get any say in it whatsoever. None whatsoever. It's kind of hard to put that into your comedies, isn't it? So they don't bother. <laughs> they don't want you knowing anything about it. Sad but true. And um, I'll give you some of the background as well on the different habitat meetings I've had before, Habitat 1, 2, 3. Uh, and where the previous ones were held and all the rest. They don't tell you enough. You dig into it and dig into it to find out all the stuff that came out. It could be shocking to folk who have no clue. Because it could be so life-changing, the decisions made, uh, that you'd think they'd be shouting it from the highest hills after them, but they're not. They, and if anything, they keep them dead silent <laughs> from the public. After all, why bring down the wrath of the public on you? Just don't tell them anything. Keep them distracted and happy and, you know, or worried about other things. Give them financial crashes at the same time. All these things are used, you know, or wars, other wars, you know. But they give you the policies and, and so on of, of their agendas. Some of them, but you have to go in even deeper and deeper and deeper. You've got to go deeper into this stuff. And they make all the policies. You see, policy, policy, policy for how you're going to live, 
moving folk off land. All these things are policies, you see. And then this one here that's involved with them too, rights of nature. It's a tradition of legal and political scholarship advocating legal standing from the natural environment. The rights approach is a breakaway from traditional environmental regulatory systems which regard nature as property and legalize and manage degradation of the environment rather than prevent it. Now, I can, that's so quick to say, isn't it? If you, get, if you change it all and you're in charge of nature, right? And, and you bring, bring nature itself as natural, free property, and your house is in amongst nature, well, they can just take your house away from you. It's not yours anymore. It's all legalisms. Since 2000, year 2000, animals, plants, and other organisms have their rights to dignity and recognized by the Constitution in Switzerland. Constitution in Switzerland. And they've got it in Ecuador now, too. But the implications of the, the disposition are still not very clear. With the enactment of its 2008 Constitution, Ecuador became the first country in the world to codify the rights of nature and to inform a more classified doc- content to those rights. And it also says it has, uh, recognizes the neoliberal rights, for instance, of ecosystems to exist and flourish. It gives people the authority to petition on the behalf of ecosystems and requires the government to remedy violations of these rights. Do you remember years and years ago, they tried different things too. The coming ice age was one of them. And they're harping, oh, too many folk, all many die in the ice age, you know. And that didn't quite pull off, you see. Nature had other, other. But then they went into, oh, the wetlands are disappearing. And then it was all, oh, the, oh well, you see, the first thing that humans do, like every other creature on the planet, even an amoeba, will change its environment to make it as sustainable as possible for its own sustainability, its own survivability. It will change the immediate environment. No different than then various animals go into fields now and start burying and make holes for themselves. They'll change the environment to suit themselves. Humans do the same, and they go into swamplands and things like that, and, and they'll drain it, you see. That way they're not getting eaten alive with poisonous mosquitoes that carry diseases, and you're healthier, and that's a good thing. But they've already said at the very top, you see, well, that also makes folk breed better and get healthier, and the death rate decreases, and, yet, and they want to increase it all. That's what it's all for. Oh, my goodness, the wetlands are disappearing, all that nonsense, you see. Same bunch. Same goals, same agenda. And they've used all dirty tricks all down through my lifetime and long before I was born. And it goes on. But unfortunately, they give they give themselves the power, you see. You don't elect them. And uh, your government, being the good hands out, you know, pocket earth that they are, uh, sign everything into law when, when it's handed to them from these private NGO Soviet-type systems ruled by councils, unelected councils. They call themselves representatives of the people, but you've never even heard of them. And they're owned and bought and set up by the big private philanthropic organizations and funded by them. Mm-hmm. Well, on Thursday, Hamish passed away. So for myself, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.